Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The How's Your Father podcast with Johnny Cochran. And now, here's Johnny. Hello and welcome to episode two. We have decided this is episode two, so hopefully it's a good one. Um, It is How's Your Father podcast. And today I'm joined by the award-winning comedian, Carl Donnelly. Hello. There we are. That's a nice deep voice. Sorry, I've got got a much deeper voice than I I realise. When I I hear myself recorded... I was, I'm quite sort of like, well, I like, I like the sound of that. It's got a nice tone to it. You like that guy out of Boys to Men who just doesn't even bother singing, yeah. just talks deep. <laughs> yeah, he just comes in after the chorus or something else. I've always wondered what his home life is like. You know what I mean? Just walks in and goes, baby, yeah. I'm, I'm home today. <laughs> yeah. He just uh, appears and commentates. <laughs> and then smokes 20 fags a day to get that <laughs> yeah. voice. Um, thank you. Thank you for coming on the uh, no podcast. Um, now, uh, just a reminder that this is a podcast, as I am a new dad, Carl. I'm, yes. a, uh, I'm a new dad to, yeah, thank you. Cheers. Um, uh, to a five and a half month old son called Leon. Um, and yeah, I think the whole journey has meant that I've kind of wanted to learn more about, you know, other people's experiences because it is quite an experience, you know, and. It has led us here, as you are indeed about to become a father. Yes, soon to be. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I'm on the, uh, I'm, on, I'm still on the prep stage. The prep stage, as in, as in prep, like getting ready for the baby. But the, it's already done. Oh, it's, it's, not- yeah, <laughs> it's fully in there, and it's happening, and it's, uh, yeah, we've still got a few months left. But like, it's uh, we're in the stage now where you know we're starting to plan it, what will happen when it comes out. Do you know what I mean? I think the first sort of few months, it's more. You're just constantly just checking it's still there. You know what I mean? I know yeah. it sounds mad, but, you know, even my wife kept saying, like, you know, the moment she just sometimes, some days she'd forget it was in there. Yeah. And now, because, you know, she's getting big and, you know, and it's sort of more about, this is the admin bit where I'm sort of, you know, obsessing about prams and stuff like that. Oh, you got to get a good set of wheels. Have you, what's your, what have you got? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> talk us through it. We we have no affinity on this podcast to any brand, but I have gone Silver Cross. Oh, you know, that is, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the Rolls Royce of brands. It's a, all, all brands are equal on our podcast. Yeah. If you do want to sponsor, but yeah, no, it rolls well. You know, we've got the rims spinning. Oh, oh yeah, they I, know. I they... bought a um a vintage nineteen uh, sixties Marmet pram. Which is so inconvenient, and it's never. We're only it, it can't go any further than like the local park, right? But I, I saw it over Christmas, uh, so you know that was only my wife would have only been 
you know, what, two months pregnant or something. So and, you're uh, planning on walking for, that to the park and then riding your penny farthing yeah. around the park? <laughs> it yeah. is. I mean, it's so big. It doesn't actually f- properly fit through my front door. I've got to take the top off and then take the wheels in separate. So it's terrible, but it's so beautiful. Like It's like one of them old silver cross ones from like the 1930s. Oh, nice, oh. nice. So you just, is it just for trying to be retro? Is that the vibe? You just wanted to... Well, I was I, I saw one uh, in the run-up to Christmas, and, um, and I sort of just out of curiosity looked online. And I went on eBay, and it was just one of them happy accidents where I saw somebody was selling one so cheap, but you had to collect it, but it was out, out northwest London but just outside the M25. And I just got it so cheap. I'm talking like so cheap. Right. What did you pay in shillings? £13. <laughs> oh, wow. But it's beautiful. Yeah. And I and I, had, I thought I, I'll regret if I don't get this. Even if it only ends up being used as a cot. Or I mean? a potentially a prop in, you know, TV programmes where yeah. they're making <laughs> set in the 60s, which yeah. is good. The next episode of Downson Abbey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, now, you know... Um, it's 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 really interesting to talk to you because I've obviously just gone through the process that you're kind of in now, but I know that a lot of the people listening to this may actually be you know expecting babies themselves. Now, one of the things that's kind of struck me going through it for the first time was, you know, and you, you just touched on it, the amount of like anxiety that's actually attached to because first of all, right, you know, you know this idea of conceiving anyway. You know, back in the day, like when you were at school, they were like, oh, make sure you wear a condom or she'll get pregnant. Yeah. It's like, it can take quite a long yeah. time. You know? oh, it's, it, I mean, that's, um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't really ever think about how difficult it can be. We, I mean, we had difficulty, but even though I, that makes it sound like it was more stressful than it was. Like me and my wife got married um, two years ago and, you know, we're, you know, I'm 38, she's 40. Uh, and, but, so we, you know, we are of an age when I suppose it starts getting a bit harder and we're both very similar. We always said, We'd like to have a kid, but if something happens where we couldn't, it's not the end of the world. It is like you know we will we we are happy enough together that we could sort you know it's right. not it's not going to be like the the loss of our life or the biggest regret ever. We'll be fine, even though it would just be something that we would have probably think oh it'd be ni- it would have been nice if that happened. But you always wanted a pram from the sixties. Yeah, I mean my main thing is I wanted the <laughs> the, the accessories. <laughs> no, but so but when we it, but then. When we started trying, or just not not trying, you know what I mean? That's sort of the way we did it. Yeah, yeah. And it just wasn't happening. And it was more out of, like, curiosity. We were like, there must be something wrong. And um, I'm writing, I've, I've written a big sort of routine about IVF. Like, And one of the things, I, for some reason, I became obsessed and convinced that I was infertile. Just because I thought... I think I always assume I'm the problem rather yeah. than other people. I think a lot of men do that though, yeah. as well, right? In terms of, you know, particularly when you're younger as well, there's so much kind of, uh, uh, so much of a stigma attached to male fertility. Totally. And somehow, you you know, you're not as masculine or macho. If you, you know, I, I remember those jokes in the playground where it was like, oh yeah, you, what's the, what's the term when you can't, um, when you're infertile? There's a, uh, and there's barons, one word, and like there's all the horrible words. Yeah, it, really. some, some nasty, and that yeah. used to go around the playground in terms of oh, you're that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's firing blanks. Fire, well, firing blanks. blanks. Well, producer so, yeah. Jaffa, there we go. Okay, Paul. <laughs> he's now looks like he's actually saying <laughs> yeah, it to us. Cheers, <laughs> cheers, mate. We're right here. But that was producer Paul for anyone who uh, he's going to be ever present on the series. You'll hear him every now and then. Coming out of insults uh, <laughs> at me and my guest. Um, but yeah, Jaffa, I think, was the one I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, so 
you know, you do, you might assume that it's you because there's always been that fear in the background of of a lot of men's yeah. minds. Yeah, and also it just I I lived really badly from quite a young age. You know, I you know I grew up in quite a sort of with like I started hanging out with a lot of older people when I was really young, and I'd smoke a lot and I drank a lot. I did drugs. You know, I did everything that I you probably shouldn't do to your body. But not just like not just now and again. I did it for long periods of time at throughout periods as well. So I just always thought I reckon I've probably done some damage. Yeah. Even though the last sort of six, five, six years, I've really sorted everything out and I'm sort of really healthy. Not really healthy. I still go through patches where I eat badly and don't exercise enough. But you know, I just thought I reckon it's probably me more than that because my wife's really healthy and active and she's sort of always yeah she just always looks really healthy so when we got tested they found nothing wrong they were like it's absolutely fine both of you have very good levels of everything for your age and they just said it's probably just a timing thing you know it could be as simple as that but then my what they said they said it this is pretty cool the nhs they said you know to my wife you're 14 uh two months they said if we get you in the system quickly we can get you a round of ivf on the nhs like before you turn 40. God bless the NHS. I know. And like we sort of saw that as a bit of like a, you know, a sign that we should probably give it a go and just just straight, made that decision there. Like even though we weren't desperately, you know, rushing to have a kid, we just thought let's try it now. And we went in and did one round of IVF and it worked. Like straight away. It was really, and it actually, sorry, I just keep, I keep knocking the um, <laughs> the pop filter away. Uh, I, um, which sounds like some sort of euphemism for uh, just removing con- uh, contraception from your relationship. <laughs> um, I, yeah, so we were just really lucky. We went straight in, worked. Because I know friends have been through loads of rounds of IVF and it hasn't worked. And it's really hard and gets very sad and stressful and costly as well. So we just that it just happened really quickly and easily. And it's so interesting that you say, you know, you, with you and your wife, you you both had made that decision, or or come to the acceptance that you, if you weren't going to have kids, and you you were cool with it, you know. But there are a lot of people out there who kind of come to the way of thinking later in life that they want to have kids, and then that is a cause of great totally. frustration because they're almost trying to catch up for, in yeah, their mind, yeah. you know. And there's a lot, I think a lot of people, you know, because obviously it's one of the most natural uh, need, wants, I suppose, isn't it, in the world. So it's totally understandable that it's, it's something that you you probably genetically or, I don't know, evolutionary want to do. But, you know, I think I can totally understand why once some people get it in their head that they need this to happen, it can become just the, you know, the pretty much the main and only concern in their life and that when that when you have something like that that's massive and it doesn't happen that's horrible isn't it because suddenly you feel like you're going to miss out on this whole life you you were expecting exactly one of the things that i i think it affects when you're in that kind of trying stage as well is, is your general sex life as well because it starts to become a little bit like you know we're doing it to achieve a goal yeah and when the goal don't happen it's like all right Another foul one. Well, I've got to keep doing this. Right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. It totally changes your view of it. And, you know, I, I, in, I'm, when talking about IVF on stage, I sort of start talking about how that, that even that, you know, was the, the strangest, you know, the, when I had to do the final sample for the, you know, the on the day that they extracted my wife's eggs. Right. And, you know, they were going to mix my sperm with her eggs. Like that, I've never, you know, no, I don't think... You know, masturbating is meant to be a bit of fun, isn't it? It's meant to be something you do when you're bored or you're hungover. I've never done one that meant so much. The stress, I remember did, like did the you, pressure. Did you 
like have it in your mind? Were you thinking at the time like this is gonna like did you did you put fault into the way? Hundred percent. Like you, I couldn't not do it. You know what I mean? Like I hadn't really thought about it until the day. I spent the six weeks leading up to it getting so, like I was exercising. I was eating so well. I wasn't touching <laughs> a drink. I was just living training like a, for a wank. Absolutely. <laughs> like, but it was all to make the sample as good as possible. And uh, yeah, and then I remember on the day, just suddenly it hit me that I this needs to. I can't mess this up now. You know what I mean? This is, uh, you know, the only rule was I had to. I, I was meant. Uh, they made me not made me, but they said you should do one like three or four days before, and then do none. That's it. Save it. Then then wait until that day. So it's like it's the perfect amount. So it suddenly just becomes this really stressful wank, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and then you go into this room and oh, it's just yeah, it was really crying halfway through. Yeah. Please work. Well, yeah. I mean, it's that thing of like. I even I even really sort of curated what I used for inspiration. So I was like, I can't watch anything grossy. You no, know I mean? no. Because this one is going to create a baby. Yeah, you want to watch the sound of music <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. It was honestly, it was a lot of thought went into it. I mean, once you've, uh, yeah, I, I, I found that even, you know, just in terms of actually having sex to try and procreate. Like there were times that I was thinking about, I mean, I'm not even in the moment anymore yeah, having yeah, sex. Yeah. It was more like, Please work, please work. <laughs> ah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, it's can't crazy. have been fun for her. <laughs> but that's, I think that's the that's part of the modern age, isn't it? Of like, you know, people doing it later and that suddenly it does become a thing you're thinking about. I suppose, it, it, you know, 50 years ago, whatever, people would have just got together when they were younger and it would have just happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think now we're, you know. And they've had a, a pram like you've got now. Exactly. Well. <laughs> Everything was so much easier. <laughs> Yeah, I think, so I think there is that. We're, we're, and also, I think we are now much more aware of how it works, the science behind it all. And, you know, we get we do sex education at school. So I think that sort of, we've got more info. So therefore, we think about it more. And that process of trying to make one, suddenly we start thinking about the science of it and yeah. how it all works. I definitely, I definitely think that, you know, people's careers and their exterior you know aspects of their life definitely come into play as well because having kids has obviously been pushed back so far because that is what the priority is for uh, people in their day-to-day lives that by kind of pushing it to the side it becomes something that they kind of catch up with later yeah. on you know and also financially as well it used to be a case that people could live much easier on one salary couldn't they so, so, so you know that's that, that traditional family unit was you know and it just worked financially better than it would now now it's much harder for people to go right you're going to get pregnant and we're going to one of us is going to work you'll have maybe maternity leave and yeah but then once that's over what we're going to do you know it's, i think now there's much more financial pressure to put it off until you think you can afford it because you'd planned like and you were doing ivf i presume you'd had some of these um discussions with your wife about you know, maternity or how how childcare would work, and so, were you were you comfortable before you even started the process of how everything would work, or did you always Not, let it almost let it play out organically? We're quite yeah, organically. We're both quite similar in that we're a bit hippie-ish in that sense of like, you know, we'll work it out when we get there, sort of thing. You know, so and like I'm a comedian, she's an actor, and she does other bits and bobs as well, but like. You know, we've gone in. We went into it knowing full well that like she's not in. A, she's not going to be getting maternity leave because she's self-employed, as I am. So it is more of a case of it. It just forced us to 
and not forced in a bad way. It's not suddenly become stressful, but I'm just now a bit more aware of right. Let's not. I'm not spending on money on silly things. Yeah, he says after buying an antique pram that doesn't fit through his <laughs> front door. <laughs> but, um, and you know, I my, I've planned my diary quite well for like I've really loaded up the last few months since Christmas. I've just been gigging so solidly, uh, and then I go to Australia to do Melbourne Comedy Festival. And like, you know, sort of I'm working quite intensely in Australia. And then, uh, yeah, when I get back, that's six weeks until the due date. Sort of I gig quite solidly probably for May. And then it starts winding down. And then, you know, then I've sort of got a few weeks off after. And, you know, then it's back to trying to load up the diary. So I'm just, I'm now sort of thinking of the finances of comedy much more than I ever have. Like I normally just quite laissez-faire with my diary booking where I'm just like I'll just do any old gig yeah but I'm suddenly not going you know two weeks after the birth I'm not suddenly putting in a weekend in Amsterdam gigging you know what I mean in terms of that like it's the 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 way your mentality shifts so immediately you know um because I was talking uh, on the first podcast um with Russell Kane about and how there's almost like a chemical shift that happens there is in fact a chemical shift but um it was been quite widely known that it happens with women obviously their hormones change but I was actually watching a program recently where it explained that it happens for fathers as well. Was this the Netflix thing? On babies, yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing about oxytocin, oxytocin in the brain. I've watched this. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so you have had a chemical change already, being like, I'm going to be a father, change everything. You know, and yeah. I guess that kind of... Because when we think about being a comedian, obviously I'm a comedian as well, you... you when you naturally get into it, this is not a nine to five kind no. of, you know, industry. And you're almost encouraged to be a bit reckless. Yes. You know, late nights, bit of drinking, you know, having fun, highs and lows. And then suddenly you're about to introduce massive responsibility. And there'll be loads of people listening who are not necessarily comedians, but have similar either weird work patterns yeah, or yeah. not necessarily, you know, in stable kind of, you know, industries. Um, how do, yeah, just to, if you want to say anything more on how you feel that it's changed your mentality instantly. Well, I think I probably would have stressed about it a bit more if I hadn't had so many comedian fr- mates who've gone through it. And a lot what I found with them almost across the board is all my comedian friends who've become dads have said they've talked about the positives of our work pattern, you know, and that is the, the daytimes, you know, you've got so many free daytimes and yeah, you might, you work in the evenings, but if you're, you know, if you do sort of gig, you know, if you're London based and most of your gigs are around London, you know, you're, you're nipping out for a couple of hours in the evening, which is, you know, you obviously you want to be there and the, you know, you're putting your kid to bed and stuff, but actually in them early years, you know, until a kid goes to school, that day, the daytimes are when that's, you're going to be spending the most time with them. Sure. So I think for dads in the traditional family setup, you know, you're back to work within a couple of weeks and, you know, you probably miss out so much of the daytimes of your child's early childhood. I think from all my comedian mates have said it's the it's the best sort of schedule for them early years. But once they, uh, you know, once they're at school, that's when you start feeling a bit guilty because you're out in the evenings because they'll go to school. They might come back and you might have already left. And so they said just really, really, you know, sort of savour those early years where you'll get to spend more time with your baby than most dads could could dream of. I couldn't agree more. That's basically how it's gone for me so far. The one one thing uh, or kind of caveat I would add to that is that 
you are around a lot, but your sleep gets messed up. And yeah, one of the things yeah. we talk to uh, Russell about is, you know, when you're a comedian, I, I mean, I, I can't operate like with no sleep you start getting up you know you get anxiety anyway and you yeah. start coming in and you're like okay i've had no sleep i don't even know if i'm gonna i had anxiety like i got when i first started gigging yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. years and years ago because it's like oh actually i've had a big emotional thing and now i'm not sleeping and now yeah. i'm not feeling as sharp yeah i've not really that's one thing i've not really thought about even thinking about i can only imagine what russell must have been like because his whole set is like he's such an energetic comedian yeah, it's full of energy. It's like all that almost manic in a good way. You know, I can imagine if he's knackered, he must just feel like he's lost a little bit of He didn't his leave it magic. to chance. He didn't leave it to chance, as we found. He was militant on it. Now, one thing we touched on, though, Carl, um, you mentioned about the issue of health, right? So um, not only are you having to make plans about your job and whatnot um, when it comes to expecting a baby, but how do you explain to me how you felt from your own personal views on your own health with regards to suddenly feeling like I'm actually going to, because for me it was like, I'm actually going to have to be around now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know I, mean? I said that to my I said that to my wife. I jokingly one day said, oh, do you know what I've realised now? I can't just die, <laughs> 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 which sounds horrible. But what I mean is like, I think I've always uh, thought, you know, you know, it would be horrible to die because, you know, because I'd leave, uh, my, my wife would be, you know, bereaved, she'd be a widow and that'd be bad. But I also think, you know, she'll be fine. She'll move on. She'll find someone else. <laughs> but like, like just as a, as a almost a thought experiment, isn't it? It's that sort of, you know, I'm into like some spiritual practices. A lot of them say you should always, you should think about death quite regularly. It's a good, healthy thing just to, so you don't, so you don't dwell on it as a bad thing. Often it dwells in the background. Is that for you? If you confront it, you become very comfortable with death. And, uh, and, but that suddenly has been like, oh, now I can't just die. <laughs> I've got to at least live for long enough that it won't scar the child. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Did you read any books in the pregnancy? Um, well, to be fair, my partner, my fiance, she was reading loads of books. I watched a couple of programs. <laughs> I occasionally would dip into a book. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's not that I um, wasn't very interested, and I'd I'd previously read books on baby development, but 
she was almost taking charge of the being right. militant yeah, over yeah, yeah. this is what we do, this is what we do. So I kind of took a little bit of a back seat. Yes. And one of the things is there was apps that would show your, you know... Um, the size of the baby, mate. Exactly. Watermelon today. Yeah, fruits. <laughs> what are we in a minute? With something like, with like an, an aubergine or Papaya? something. Papaya? Oh, right, oh, no, it's okay. bigger than aubergines. It's like, what is it? It's a five and a half months. So, yeah, it's big. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. But, um, um, but so, so, yeah, with regards to... I mean, it's funny. I, I think I had that dying young complex as well. Maybe it's yeah. a comedian thing, you know. But um, it's interesting that you say as well that... You know, there's that, I've got to clear so much time before my son would be okay. Because I yeah. have exactly the same thoughts. But then the reason I said about the books just quickly is um, I read, there's a quite a famous book called They Fuck You Up by Oliver James, a psychologist. And he wrote a book about parenting. And um, and he taught, he he um, quotes a few stats. You know, these are, and like, you know, every different set of statistics probably shows something else. But he just talks about, um, children who lose a parent in early childhood tend to become high achievers. Right. <laughs> well, in ter- but high achievers in terms of, you know, you'd be talking business and things where you have to be quite yeah. driven. And, you know, probably you, if you were looking at it from a psychological perspective, probably some people are maybe trying to yeah. prove a point, essentially. So you might have a discussion with your wife going, who's it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm going to take one for the team. <laughs> I'm done anyway. Look, you know, early years, I, I went up, out a lot. I grew up with poor parents. I can't have that. For my, <laughs> like, you know, I just I want my kid to grow up and be just so rich and successful <laughs> that I will jump off a bridge from them. Yeah, to, to raise the new Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, yeah, I mean, I think one of the other aspects of kind of anxiety that went along as well is um, that idea that at every juncture, you're constantly checking, just like on your app, going, oh, they're this size today, but you're always thinking, this is one of the things that I never even thought about, how much anxiety there was to, I hope they're still okay. Yeah. I hope they're still okay. I hope they're it's st-. constant. And and your partner will be there going, oh, I've felt this today. Because the, one of the things that is unique to the man in this situation is, you're both going through it. You're both wildly in love with this unborn being, but she has the connection to it and she has totally. the constant be, um, ability to tell you how she's feeling and that connection's there, whereas you have to go off of her her word a lot yeah. of the time. And that, that can be so unsettling at times. Did you find the same thing? Yeah, well, I think that's what causes as well a lot of that yeah, you know, it's really widespread. They reckon uh, in the early days of a newborn, where the dad, you know, even it can last six months. You know, what I mean, where the dad doesn't feel that connected to the baby because, you know, they haven't they haven't got that instant physical bond that a mother has because they've carried them for nine months. So, you know, I, I do think there's that slight distance you have. You know, it's still you can only see it happening. You see your partner changing shape and. You know, you see the days where it's a bit annoying having to carry around a, a little person and all that. But that's I think that's why I've done that thing of... I've just read loads of books. I've just caught on this mad reading trip. I have been for like six months. This is carrying on. A lot of it is psychology. A lot of it is actual, you know, proper pregnancy books and that. Because I'm just trying to... I suppose that maybe that would be my way of trying to feel connected to it by understanding it as much as I can. And... And also that is that thing of, you know, it feels like you're prepping for it. Even though every single person I know has said, you could read every book in the world, mate, you're not going to be prepared. And also you, and you'll you just know that feeling when it happens. You know, everyone says, 
you know the the you know the first time you see a baby it's just that feeling of like oh there, there you are sort of thing that is that is something you can't read in a book you just feel it but I, I think in that in terms of actually during the pregnancy yeah my thing has been I know I can't physically feel it because that's impossible so I'm just going to try and learn as much as I can about what is happening and what potentially could happen going forward I mean, one of the things that I always uh, found fascinating, certainly towards the end as well of the pregnancy, was this being that I had already, you know, in my mind accepted that I loved and fell in love with, and I didn't know what he looked like. Yeah. You know, that was... I mean, there's some some um, uh, people who won't be finding out the uh, whether it's a boy or a girl as well. You know, they just want everything to be a surprise. I find that strange. I know, not to, I'm not criticising people that do it, but... I feel like we found out a few weeks ago. It's a little girl. Oh, lovely! Yeah, and um, I think, and I, I think everyone does that thing as well when you find out. Where I didn't, I, I was actually genuinely didn't have a preference. Um, and you know, I, I, again, like I understand people that have preferences. Maybe it's like a family tradition thing, or I don't really. I, I'm a bit dubious of people that overly have a preference. You know, like have you ever seen any of them gender reveal videos? Oh my goodness! And it's like when you see them American ones where. Some guy finds out he's having a son and he just runs around. Like, yeah, yeah. It goes you're Ricky right. Lake. Yeah, on you're like, come on, mate. What's what's happened? <laughs> Are you all right? Uh, but I I genuinely didn't have a preference. But then when I found out I was having a daughter, I suddenly went, well, I, I think that was my preference. <laughs> so I think I retrospectively pretended to myself that that's what I wanted. But I genuinely, I could say quite confidently I didn't have a preference in the run-up. But I just I like the idea of getting an idea of her now for the next few months, just because it feels like you can start thinking about a name and like you can start thinking about like you know I'm even like I'm doing that I I, I genuinely do love like an accessory, so I'm already sort of thinking about how cool I can dress her and all this yeah. stuff. Like I was wearing a big sort of a leopard print puffer jacket the other day, and I was like I'm gonna get a little one for her. <laughs> like, You've you got just it. start creating that picture in your head of the little girl I'm, that's what I'm doing and I think that's quite a nice thing about finding out what they're going to be they're going to they're going to demand so much of you you might as well get something back by accessorising them yeah. of course you know, that's all you can get I definitely want to I don't I don't want them letting me down in public no Christmas <laughs> Christmas is a good time as yeah. well novelty <laughs> costumes now for me I, I, I could not agree I, you know again we, we have no uh, judgement on this podcast but for me I always found it weird when people didn't want to know fair play it's their choice but I definitely wanted to know it's such a bold thing to be like oh, I'll find out when we'll it comes out, it out. Yeah, <laughs> that's so casual whereas for me I was like see one of the situations for me is I uh, my pop, my uh, fiance is uh, an Aryan basically white blonde blue eyes you know I am yeah. a mixed race guy so my mum's white and my dad's black which meant that my son could have come out in so many different yeah, ways yeah, due yeah. to racial dynamics. Yeah. There's enough a surprise. <laughs> you know what I mean? Limit the surprises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't know what it was going to look like. So I was like, you know what? Just work out as a boy or a girl anyway, so we can sort something out, you know. Yeah. Um, we'll Just to work. check your fiance that she, you call her an Aryan. She doesn't refer to herself, isn't it? Uh, she, yeah, she goose steps around our house, actually. When she's... Her. She puts that on forms. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the other, the other thing is, you don't mention about, like, how family traditions and stuff. We found out we were having a boy. I did have a little preference. I did want a boy. Yeah. Of course it didn't matter if it was a boy or a girl. Absolutely nothing but love either way. What was the re- what was the reason? Like, did, did you know? Can you t- 
know why you thought I'd, I'd like a boy? Was there like a, did you have an image in your head? Of- Do you know what? I mean, I'd love to say that I'm kind of above some kind of masculine kind <laughs> of, but I think it was, because I, I, I am completely along the lines in try, trying to be progressive and that, you know, if I had a daughter, I'd want to go to the football with her and yeah. loads of stuff. But I do feel like, whether rightfully or wrongly, there would be some things that I would just connect more yeah, if he was yeah. a boy, because he's a boy. And, you know, and it's weird because my my um, fiance, she wanted a girl. Yeah. And when we found out we were having a boy, she started sulking. Oh, really? <laughs> she, she's it's like, funny, isn't it? We went to the cafe and she just hadn't said anything. I was like, you're right. <laughs> and she's like, what am I going to do with a boy? Yeah, <laughs> the same yeah. thing you do with a girl. But it was funny because um, her nan had said that they had a tradition in their family that the firstborn of every generation was always a girl. So she was convinced, she was like, this is going to be a girl. (laughs) It dates back way beyond you, mate. Three centuries or something like that. And then we found out having a boy. We told her on the phone and she was like, right, okay. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's a good thing. He's a grandchild. And she literally needed a day to like, yeah, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? It's one of them things, but it's, uh, yeah, I I found it most enjoyable to be there. Really, really good. (laughs) We've mentioned um, a number of the points that, that might cause a bit of anxiety around parenthood. I, there were more that sprung up at me than I actually realised. You know, I, it was just wrapped with it. And then you get to the pregnancy, the, the labour, should I say, and then there's more. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. then to really calm your nerves, you actually have a baby at the other end, you know. Um, <laughs> just when you thought you could stress about everything, you suddenly had left, you have a life to look after. <laughs> exactly. What What would you say has been the thing that has kind of caused the most, uh, in terms of, su- that has surprised you with how much, how much concern you've maybe paid towards it? Well, I think um, we've got this running thing, like where basically, because um, Hannah is 40, um, they they sort of they really monitor you a lot more than normal, so they're always checking. I'm like, and it just sometimes I think the constant checking actually makes you think there's something wrong that there isn't something wrong. So they can't, they've been monitoring her at the premature clinic because her cervix is like a tiny bit shorter than what the ideal amount. It should, it's meant to be it's meant to be like thirty mils, and it went it was like twenty five, then it went up to twenty nine, then it went back to twenty five, and just that constant checking of that. I, like it's just like this thing of like oh my god what is gonna what if it's gonna be premature and then but they don't actually bring you into hospital with the assumption it's gonna be premature unless it gets down to ten mils so like we've got low it's it's still so much bigger than anything getting worrying but because I just think that's that's one of the things that is a regular you know if we go we go in to get it checked just because they're like because of your age we just want to monitor you and it just feels like I know it sounds horrible but it feels like in this modern age where we know so much and we're constantly monitoring everything. I think actually that causes more stress than 30 years ago, 40 years ago, where they wouldn't have had a clue how long your cervix is. <laughs> they yep. would have just been like, you've got a baby in there, we'll see you in nine months. They wouldn't even know there's a baby. They'd be getting Sonia Jackson yeah. all the time, wouldn't they? I know. Like, so I actually think, you know, sometimes, you know, ignorance is bliss almost, you know. I think, because I don't think anxiety or think overthinking stuff is good for pregnancy either, is it? If a if a woman's stressing about the length of her cervix every two minutes, that is adding stress into her body. And I'm a big believer in just like if you just relax, thing your body works better, doesn't it? It's less tense, and you know. So I think yeah, that that probably would be that physical side of just the fact that we're constantly being monitored makes me. F- it, you can't help but subconsciously start thinking 
are they monitoring us because there's something wrong and they're not telling us? Even though they, of course, they tell you. They're doctors. They're not going to hide something. So you, you that's also, all that, yeah. I, 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 it's such a good, such a good point. It's so important to reaffirm that. Like, you know, and that's where it comes in. It's like, oh, we're we're checking on things, but you also have this. Oh, I certainly did this kind of, you know, cynical edge of oh, we're going to be the ones that it goes wrong on, you know? Yeah, and totally. It, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, everyone else is fine, but something's going to go wrong because it, you're playing for such high stakes that you, yeah. you know, and, and relaxing into it the way that you're talking about just becomes harder and harder the more yeah, you yeah. hear about it. And also I just think we have a lot, you know, there is that thing in the modern age where I think we have slightly distanced even further from our natural selves, you know, that sort of... I think I think now we are. I think we do. I think we do spend more time stressing about things. I think in the modern age, everyone's got more anxiety about everything, haven't they? So like, things that I think in the old days, people probably did have just much more confidence that right, what happens is you get pregnant and then a baby comes out down the line and then you get on with life. Whereas now, I think we are always just thinking, well, something's going to go wrong because you'll hear about things going wrong more often just by the nature of social media and it being in newspapers or there's a hundred newspapers it's every like you know I think we just I don't think the percentage of bad things happening has gone up but just the percentage of us hearing about them has gone up so I think everyone now I think is a bit overly anxious about everything it's true and if if things went wrong at the rate you imagine them going wrong <laughs> we probably won't be here anymore absolutely <laughs> um so it rather than you know we've spent a bit of time talking about the kind of anxieties but what would you say are the things that you perhaps are looking forward to the most i know you've talked about you know leopard print coats and stuff getting the, <laughs> it's a young the culture out there <laughs> it's only cloudy clothes is what i'm looking forward to um i i mean there is that i think that's i think there is a nice thing in you know, I suppose as a as a man, or just yeah, as a, as a person whose partner is pregnant, who's waiting for it. You know, I think the the fun bits for me are when you start imagining little moments, or you start creating little scenes of like little vignettes. Oh, totally, yeah. little things of you know, but walking with them on your shoulders and things like that. I suddenly I'm now finding myself more and more daydreaming about the potential uh, of that person, and like you know, I just think it's really. You know, exciting, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I, I don't. As yeah, and the that's weird. Like I'm quite. I've not got really any stress or anything about. You know what? I, I've not really thought too much about the stresses that could happen once you have a kid, and you're worrying about them at school being bullied or any of those things. For me, I, yeah, I'm very good at thinking of all the positive options and just trying to be. I, I mean, that's why I'm sort of reading a lot of psychology books. I think there's that. You know, I don't think. I reckon this is going to sound horrible, but I've probably learned more off my parents as things to not do yeah. than things to do. I don't think, you know, my brother's seven years older than me. And I think by the time I came along, the, my life, my parents' lives have got a bit more tricky. And, you know, then there was like when I got sort of, you know, I was probably seven or eight, we moved. And then my parents split up for a while. My dad was like drinking a lot baby my mum's got loads of issues like I sort of felt like I grew up in the bad time of my parents and they, then they got back together when I was like in my teens and they sort of chilled out and they both actually sorted out all this stuff on the whole mm. and actually they calmed down a lot but I feel like I learned a lot in that time looking back that I definitely know I'm not going to do those things yeah. you know what I mean just 
and it wasn't their fault at all. You know, they had there was a lot of stuff going on, so I don't have any issue with them for doing it. But yeah, I think I learned from my parents what not to do. So all the stuff I'm reading is about little tips of just things you can do to, you know, maybe how you communicate and how you speak language you use with kids. You know, you forget sometimes like, you know, I've always, I'm not, I've never been great with little kids. You know what I mean? Like I'm sort of, I'm fun with them and that, but I, I'm not somebody who does like baby talk or that sort of thing. I'm normally just play with and them. You do adult talk, do you? Well, just you're like, okay, you're yeah, yeah. I've always sort of talked to kids <laughs> in my own voice, but played with them and had fun with them. And I like kids. I get on with kids and they tend to like me as well. I've got two nephews and a niece, but things like, yeah, just even just reading stuff about the language you use and how actually it's quite healthy to do things like baby talk with kids because they react to like the rhythm of it more yeah. than just the sort of, you know, slightly bland South and, and London they, tone I've got. Yeah, yeah true. Um, and, and higher pitches yeah. where they can decipher more and pick out what you're saying. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. It's not that we've naturally evolved to do that sort of yeah, stuff rather yeah, than yeah. everyone want to be a kids TV presenter. Yeah. Hello, oh, boys and girls. But, I know. But um, I to, yeah, my dad, because my dad was, was 43 when I was born and he was just like, he was such a, just an old bloke, you know, 43. This was like back then, you know, that was like probably 70 now, isn't it? 43, yeah, yeah. 43 year olds back in the eight, early eighties were just old men. But like, he, you know, he was never that, he was never, a, he was he was terrible with kids, my dad. Like just didn't know what to do around them. So I didn't really, really ever do anything with my dad till we were in like my mid teens when he could actually relate to me. So I was like a, a more of a grown up. So I'm, I'm now, I'm excited about being able to, be a kid with my with a kid you know what i mean yeah so yeah i'm sort of i'm looking forward to yeah basically having another childhood (laughs) it's it's fascinating um do you do you feel that at the moment as well when you're kind of on the lead up towards having your baby have you found yourself getting more emotional like because i was saying um i said to russell as well that i would walk around like the streets at times um in the lead up to having my kid that um and just start getting emotional for, like, kind of no reason, you know. Um, and I'd also find myself staring at fathers with kids, oh, which I I've thought... I've definitely had that. You know, it could lead you to looking like you had some kind of criminal <laughs> intent, you know, <laughs> getting rounded up outside schools. Yeah, but. I went through a big phase of pram watch, which was where, like, if I saw a pram I liked, I'd be following the people down the street trying to catch, <laughs> like, see the brand and stuff. But I think now I've moved on to, yeah, like... And you're going, it's all right, I just like your pram. <laughs> <laughs> just in the market at a minute. Um, but then I definitely have caught myself looking at families with young kids now with much more of, like... Like, just yeah, just a feeling of uh, understanding it more. Like you know, I've I've always like I've genuinely always liked kids, and you know, I've never been that person. You know, when you're on a train or something, there's like a family with young kids who are making noise, and you see some people just tutting and mm. be like looking like it's a hindrance on them. I've never had that. I've always really enjoyed seeing that happen. You know, and, and understanding energy. it. Yeah. yeah, just understanding it. it's a part of life, isn't it? And like so. But I feel now when I'm watching it, yeah, there's definitely, I feel a bit more, it's an emotional connection to it. Yeah, I've definitely had moments where I've just almost just cried (laughs) at seeing a dad with a little daughter and I'm like, that's going to be me. (laughs) Towards the end of the uh, podcast, we always like to do a little feature, okay, where this is just personal advice. So it can be whatever um, you want to 
give in terms of advice, but just from your experience and something that you could maybe have told you even at the start of this process. So the feature is called Get Your Tips Out for the Dads. Okay, <laughs> and, and, and last time I sang it, so I'll do it again. Get your tips out, get your tips out, get your tips out for the dads. Carl Donnelly. Well, I know it's that thing where I know it will sound like I'm going against everyone who told like everyone told me that just you can't prepare. Do you know what I mean? But I genuinely have found uh, just just reading. And yeah, I know some people aren't aren't into reading books or something, but you know you can listen to podcasts or something like that. But I just think for me, I just think feeling like I'm because I'm reading I feel like I'm doing some prep because when I'm even I've had weeks where I've just been a bit busy gigging and you know your mind is just a bit full of other ideas and stuff so so I just fall off that wagon of reading and I suddenly feel like I slightly disconnect from the pregnancy because my wife's going through that part so for me I just I think stay like almost week by week reading a different book about something to do with either pregnancy or parenting or child psychology or you know even like things to do with the modern age and what the future's looking like with technology and stuff you just start getting an idea that you're doing I feel like it's doing homework and for me that's given me a real sense of development in the prep before the baby arrives so when it arrives even though you can't prepare I'll feel like at least I made some attempt to prepare so yeah that's sort of what I would probably just recommend just yeah do something you know, each week just to feel like you're doing something. Otherwise, you can just probably just sit back and feel a bit redundant and let your partner do everything. That's a great. That's a great. I think that's a great bit of advice. To be fair, I think uh, feeling connected in whatever way you do is spot on. I really, I really, I think that's great advice. Now, um, as a final thing, we'd ask you to, um, if you could sum up your experience so far um, in one word, what would it be? exciting I reckon yeah yeah. I feel I've, I've have you know even a couple of times where I've suddenly felt a little bit mildly anxious about like the, the potential pitfalls on the whole it's just I've constantly found a new thing to be excited about as the weeks have gone on during pram gate I, <laughs> I was super excited just looking at all these pram you know and yeah just things like finding out the uh, the sex and all that and I just I think if you think about it as a every week you're going to learn something and about them until they arrive you know that's that's yeah, the excitement of it i think it's a good way of going through it that is fantastic and what a wonderful way to end exciting <laughs> we've put links in the show notes for more info around ivf paternity pay leave and shared leave how might maternal age affect pregnancy for most women it won't nearly one birth in five is to women over the age of 35 and most have perfectly healthy pregnancies and babies there are some differences though in care and possible considerations for a woman over 35 and again over 40 check the show notes for more and finally the positive birth movement may be able to alleviate some of the anxieties Carl and I talked about and we've linked to that also Carl uh, thank you so much for coming on is there anything you want to plug shamelessly um, I just do a couple of podcasts as well people can listen to actually I mean I've, I've, over, I've technically currently got four available oh, okay. mad. but I mean I do I do, a, I do a weekly one called Two Vegan Idiots with a, a comedian called Julian Dean which is very funny He's great. He's great. He's so yeah. So um, that is, you know, some some weeks it gets a little bit <laughs> dodgy. <laughs> say dodgy, you know, we just we, we we sometimes goad each other along to say some uh, things that are 
you wouldn't say before right? yeah punchy vegans yeah yeah so we and it's, it's called two vegan idiots some people worry that it's a vegan podcast and i mean we both happen to be vegan but we never talk about it. that thing of well i think we talk about veganism about once every eight episodes it just happens to be that we're both vegan so check that one out that's really fun sounds good thank you so much for coming on the podcast for having me. and yeah all the best with it on the next How's Your Father podcast. It's Doc Brown. The other thing they say, like, when we complain, when they hear us complaining about mining or how expensive it is to have kids and whatnot, they're like, well, you shouldn't have had us. <laughs> it's like, it's your fault. And it's like, you know what? That's another strong, salient point. <laughs> I mean, I turn around and it costs me 300 quid. <laughs> kids are so expensive. Produced by Paul Daniels at pauldaniels.tv. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.